Welcome to the Word Encounter, episode 266. We're in the book of Revelation. Let's pick it up in chapter 17. It says, The woman and the scarlet beast. In verse 1 it says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me. Come, I will show you the judgment of the notorious prostitute who is seated in, on many waters. And so this notorious prostitute is referring to basically, you know, Babylon, which is, uh, or, or anyone who was unfaithful to God, you know, notorious. And so that means they're very unfaithful to God, maybe even to the point of opposition to God. And then it says in verse two, uh, the kings of the earth committed sexual immorality with her and those who live on the earth became drunk on wine, uh, drunk on the wine of her sexual immorality. In other words, they were intimate with uh, her opposition to God. You see, they were intimate with it. They knew it well. And so it says here that the kings of the earth, the leaders of the earth uh, uh, committed sexual immorality with her. They got into bed with her opposition to God. The leaders of the earth got into bed with this notion of being opposed to God. And those who live on the earth, those who weren't leaders, it says they drank of this wine. They drank of this opposition to God. And we see that today, people opposing God in various ways. And then it says in verse three, then he carried me away, he being John, then oh, he being the angel, John is talking about himself. Then he carried me away in the spirit uh, to a wilderness. He carried me away in a vision. I saw a woman seated or sitting uh, on a scarlet beast uh, that was covered with blasphemous names and had several heads and 10 horns. Seven heads, not several, had seven heads and 10 horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, jewels, and pearls. She had a golden cup in her hand filled with every detestable and with the impurities of her prostitution. Filled with everything detestable and with the impurities of her prostitution. Wow. So this cup had everything detestable in it and with the impurities of her prostitution on her forehead was written a name, a mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and the detestable things of the earth. And it's interesting uh, in, in Revelation, we see here a, a lot of things being labeled, being named. You know, when you label something or name something, that kind of reveals its character. It says, on her forehead was written a name, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the detestable things of the earth. The mother, you know, the source of, the inspiration for. In verse 6, then I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses to Jesus. See, the woman, she fed on the blood of the saints and on the witnesses to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. I don't know why John was astonished, but it says he was. The meaning of the woman and of the beast. Then the angel said to me, you know, John, he says, why are you astonished? He says, I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and of the beast and the seven heads and the ten horns that uh, carries her. And then it says in verse 8, the beast that you saw uh, was and not is and is about to come up from the abyss. What the heck does that mean? Was and, uh, and is not and is about to come up from the abyss. This means was, it was as far as existed, then maybe for a time didn't exist, and then is existing again. This points to basically the character and the nature of evil. It's very, very persistent. Evil is extremely persistent. You think you have it defeated, then it comes back. You see, the beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up from the abyss. 
and go to the destruction. And so it says, but this beast, even though he's persistent, this evil, even though it's persistent, it will go to its destruction. Those who live on the earth whose names have not been written in the book uh, of life from the foundation of the world will be astonished when they see that the beast was and is not and is to come. And so it says the people of the world will be astonished at the persistence of evil. You know, I don't know why they will, but it says they will be astonished. <laughs> this calls for a mind that has wisdom <clears throat> to defeat evil, to defeat the nature and the persistence of evil calls for a mind that has wisdom. Noodle on that. The seven heads and seven mountains on which the woman is seated Uh, They are also seven kings. Now, when it says the seven hands and the seven mountains, the seven mountains are in reference to Rome, the Roman Empire. For Rome historically was said to be built on seven mountains. And it says on which the woman is seated and, and there are seven kings. And so now this could be referring to the Roman Empire then, but I think this is referring to a new incarnation of the Roman Empire in the future in tribulatory times. Then it says in verse 10, Five have fallen, it says there, uh, there are also seven kings. Of those seven, five have fallen. One is, the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain for only a little while. The beast, uh, the beast that was, excuse me, the beast that was and is not is itself an eighth king, but it belongs to the seventh and is going to destruction. I have no idea what that means. But I think it has something to do with kingdoms rising and falling and who's allied with who and, and that sort of thing. Then this is uh, verse 12. Then uh, the 10 horns you saw are 10 Kings who have not yet received the kingdom, but they will receive authority as Kings with the beast for one hour. So this implies that there will be other kingdoms that will rise that will be allied to the beast, but they will only be in existence for a short period of time. In verse 13, these have one purpose. And they give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war against the lamb, but the lamb will conquer them because he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. This is referring to Armageddon where the battle lines will be drawn and you have good versus evil essentially. And, uh, and, and they will try to make war against the lamb, but it's no contest because he's the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And it says those with him, those with the lamb are called chosen and faithful. It's essentially his army. His army is called, it's chosen, and it's faithful. In verse 15, he also said to me, the waters you saw where the prostitute was seated are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. Mm. The ten horns you saw and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked, devour her flesh, and burn her up with fire. That's interesting. Okay, the beast... And the ten whores and the beast says, well, hate the prostitute. Now, all of these are enemies of God. So essentially it's saying evil is going to turn on itself. And, and that's what evil has a tendency to do because evil is only concerned with its own best interests. And so evil may have some allies, but eventually they'll turn on each other because really their overriding concern is for themselves. It says in verse 17, for God has put into their hearts to carry out his plan and having one purpose to their um, to give their to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled, and so the ten horns and their beasts. What what this is saying is, God has put into their hearts to carry out His plan. In other words, God is using the enemy against the enemy. 
See, they're being agents of God. They don't even know it. For God has put into their hearts to carry out his plan by having one purpose and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. But there will come a time, you see, where the beast and his ten, ten horns, they will get their just desserts. But as for this time, I need to use them against the prostitute. Verse 18, and the woman you saw is a great city that has royal power over the kings of the earth. And again, the woman you saw, the great prostitute, is in reference to Babylon, to Babylon's uh, uh, values, to thoughts, uh, you know, and, 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 uh, and what are those values and, and thoughts that, you know, money, power, greed, all of these things are what drive um, our values. You know, all these things that are in opposition to God. This is what guides us. This is what drives us. This is what motivates us. Chapter 18, the fall of Babylon the great. After I saw another angel with great authority coming down from heaven and the earth was illuminated by his splendor, he called out in a mighty voice. It has fallen. Babylon the great has fallen. She has become a home for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, and a haunt for every unclean and despicable beast. A haunt meaning essentially a dwelling. And so it says Babylon the great has fallen. She has become a home for demons, a dwelling for every unclean spirit, a dwelling for every unclean bird, and a dwelling for every unclean and despicable beast. For all the nations have drunk the wine of her sexual immorality, which brings wrath. It says, for all the nations have drunk the wine of her sexual immorality. They have drunk the wine. Of be- they have become intimate with the, with, the, the, with the wine, with the fruits of, of opposition to God. They have become intimate with the things of evil and wickedness, with selfishness, with greed, uh, with um, power, with abuse of, 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 of money and resources, uh, with torture, all of these things that are uh, in opposition to God, they have become intimate with in order that they could elevate their own stature in life. It says the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality with her and the merchants of the earth have, have grown wealthy from her sensuality and excess. And the business people of the earth, the word is saying, have grown wealthy from their selfishness and taking advantage of people and systems and governments, doing wrong by folks, by raping and stealing and, and, and doing all of these dastardly sort of things. It says the merchants of the earth have grown wealthy from her sensuality, from being intimate with this line of thinking, from being intimate with this value system, with the value system of the world. Then it says in verse four, then I heard another voice from heaven. Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins or receive any of her plagues. And so uh, the word is saying, look, people don't subscribe to the value system of the world. You know, don't even inch towards subscribing to it. Come out of it. Separate yourself from it because its values are in opposition of my values. My values represent mercy compassion. My values represent treating people the way you want to be treated. My values are different than the world's values. And so it says, if you're in it or near it, come out of it, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so so that you will not get to a point where you start acting on those values. And then you won't receive her plagues if you come out of it. In verse five, for her sins are piled up to heaven and God has remembered her crimes. See, 
God does not forget. He remembers what these people did uh, to his prophets, to his saints, you know, murder, torture, you know, crucifixion, uh, uh, imprisonment, you know, but God remembers these things that the world has done to his people. See, these sufferings have not gone in vain. God remembers. In verse six, it says, pay her back the way she was also paid and double it according to her works. So the Lord is saying, look, not only give her back what she deserves for what she did, pay her back double. See, pay those who, 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 who executed the tenets of the world's value system, pay them back double. And he doubles down on it. And he says, in the cup uh, in which she mixes, or in the cup in which she mixed, mixed a, a mix a double portion for her. See, give her a double, pay her back double. Give her a double portion of what she gave out. In verse seven, as much as she glorified herself and indulged in her sensual and excessive ways, give her that much torment and grief. So he says it again in another way. He says, look, uh, to the extent to what she did uh, with regard to excesses and luxuries at other people's expense and whatnot, give her back that in torment and grief. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen. I am not a widow. I will never see grief. And so it says, for she says in her heart that, that she's royalty. See, <clears throat> that look at all this money I have accrued. Look, I'm royalty. I, I, I do not experience the grief and death of the world. It says, I will never see grief, for I am, I am like a God, essentially, is what she is saying, which essentially is what a lot of people say who have accumulated things and have successfully uh, executed this world system to their benefit. That's what they can say to themselves. For this reason, her plagues will come in just one day, death and grief and, fam and famine. Uh, she will be burned up with fire because the Lord God judges her who judges her is mighty. In other words, and God is saying, I'm not going to drag, drag this out in just one day. In just one day, she will be paid back in death and grief and famine. There will be such uh, massive death and grief and, and, and such hunger and pain for all of the things that she has done over the centuries. She will get paid back. For she will be burned up with fire because the Lord God who judges her is mighty. The world mourns Babylon's fall. The kings of the earth who have committed sexual immorality and shared her sensual and excessive ways will weep and mourn over her when they see the smoke from her burning. In other words, the people who have benefited from the world system, when they see the world system collapsing or collapse, it says that they will weep and mourn because they benefited greatly from it. And they was, when they see the smoke of its collapse, you see, and they see it burning, they will weep and mourn. They will stand far off in fear, for, uh, fear of her torment. In other words, they will witness this collapsing and burning, and then they will fear that this burning and collapsing will come on them. So they will be afraid, saying, whoa, whoa, the great city Babylon, the mighty cry for in a single hour your judgment have, has come. And so they will say, wow, I can't believe how quickly this happened. And, and I hope this doesn't touch me. <laughs> then uh, we drop down to verse 15. It says, uh, the merchants who became rich from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning. And so the business people 
is saying this again, we'll stand far off and they will be witness. So we have the leaders who see this taking place, you know, uh, those in government, those kings and queens, or if you will, presidents, premiers, um, whatever you want to call them, you know, they'll be afraid because they benefited from the system and it collapsed. And then they're wondering if it's going to get them. Now it's talking about business people, the merchants who, uh, who became rich from the system of the world, from the economic system of the world, will stand far off in fear of the collapse you see, because and they will weaken it and they will weep and they will mourn because they benefited from it. And now it's no more. We'll stand off far in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning, saying, whoa, whoa, the great city dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, jewels and pearls. For in a single hour, such fabulous wealth was destroyed. And every shipmaster, seafarer, and sailors, and all who do business by sea stood far off as they watched the smoke uh, from her burning and kept crying, who was it, or who was like the great city? In other words, this again is referring to business people. They stand far off and they will observe what has happened to the system from which uh, they became enriched uh, rich by. And they were saying, you know, this was, this was great, but now it's no more. You know, where, where can we go to, to get stuff like we had before? says in verse 19, <clears throat> they threw dust, they being the business people, they threw dust on their heads and kept crying out, weeping and mourning, you know, because they could no longer benefit from the system that enriched them because it's collapsed. <clears throat> what is heaven's response to this mourning and weeping by all of these people from the collapse of the system? In verse 20, Rejoice over her, <laughs> is heaven's response. Re essentially, rejoice over her demise. Rejoice over her, heaven, you, and you saints, apostles, and prophets, because God has pronounced on her the judgment she passed on you. So the response uh, to God's, uh, from God's people should be rejoicing. The finality of Babylon's fall, in verse 21, then a mighty angel picked up a stone like a large millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, in this way, Babylon, the great city, will be thrown down violently and never to be found again. So the system will not be resurrected. It says, all this will happen because your merchants were the nobility of the earth and because uh, all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. In other words, it's saying because the business people of the earth were the nobility of the earth. Those who amass riches and whatnot many times, maybe most times, uh, at the expense of other people, driven by greed, driven by self-interest. It says these were the nobility of the system of yours. It says this is why all of this happened. It says, and because all of the nations, all the peoples of the earth, you know, were deceived by this sorcery. It says, in her was found the blood of the prophets and saints and all those uh, slaughtered on the earth. In other words, all those who were speaking out against this, who were speaking righteous, about righteousness and belief in God and following God and whatnot, many of those were killed, were mar martyred, executed, tortured, imprisoned. This system produced all of this stuff, all of this anti-God stuff. In chapter 19, it says celebration in heaven. After this, I heard something like a loud voice of a vast multitude in heaven saying, hallelujah, salvation, glory, and power belong to our God because his judgments are true and righteous because he has judged the notorious prostitute 
who corrupted the earth with her sexual immorality, and he has avenged the blood of his servants um, that was on her hands. Hallelujah. Praise be to the Lord, because he has executed vengeance on the prostitute that had the blood of the saints and prophets on her hands. Verse 5, a voice came from the throne saying, praise our God, all his servants and the ones who fear him, both small and great. Then I heard something like the voice of a vast multitude, like the sound of cascading waters. Cascading waters makes a booming sound, a loud sound. Heard a voice like that. And like the rumbling of loud thunder saying, hallelujah, because our Lord God, the almighty reigns. Let us be glad, rejoice, and give him glory because the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has prepared for and his bride has prepared himself, herself, I should say. So the marriage of the lamb, the marriage of Jesus has come. The bride, his church, has prepared herself. And so we, his church, have, have prepared for Jesus' coming. And it says here, uh, be glad and rejoice and give him glory because the marriage of the lamb has come because it's time for this marriage to be united. And it says here in verse eight, uh, she was given fine linen to wear bright and pure. She being uh, uh, in reference to the bride, uh, she referring to the bride, the bride being the church. It says the church was given fine linen to wear uh, bright and pure. For the fine linen represents the righteous acts of the saints. And so The bride was given righteous acts. The bride has performed righteous acts. And so this is this is what we can uh, look forward to. This is what we see. We know that that hasn't necessarily always been the case where the church has been righteous and whatnot. But this is saying something different. This is saying in that time, you know, that the bride will be given fine linen to wear bright and pure, that the bride will be filled with righteous acts of the saints. And then it says in verse nine, then he said to me, he being the angel said to John, right, blessed are those invited to the marriage feast of the lamb. He also said to me, these words of God are true. So he said, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage feast of the lamb. If we're believers in Christ or those who are believers in Christ at that time, <clears throat> it's referring to them. It says, blessed are those who believe in Christ because they will be invited to this marriage feast, to this uh, unification between uh, the Lamb of God and his bride, the church. That was in verse 9. In verse 10 it says, Then I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, No, 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 don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers and sisters who hold firmly to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, because the testimony of Jesus is the essence of, is the substance of prophecy. Uh, the, the, the angel is telling John, don't fall at my, my feet. Don't worship me. I am not God. See, we, in this time and space, we have a lot of people that worship other people, either because of their financial resources or because of their fame, their celebrity, their athletic ability, you know, whatever. And so we, 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 peace, we people worship. But the angel, an angel is telling a human being, John, don't worship me. That's only for God. I'm a servant of God, just like you. 
And I hold firm to the testimony of Jesus. The testimony being the spirit or the or, or the testimony of Jesus is the spirit or the essence or the substance of prophecy. It is not prophecy if it is not about Jesus. If it, if, if it is not in reference to Jesus, it's not prophetic. Prophecy isn't just uh, uh, predicting the future. Prophecy always points to Jesus in some kind of way because the testimony of Jesus is the essence of prophecy. The rider on a white horse says in verse 11, then I saw heaven open and there was a white horse. It's rider referring to Jesus It's called faithful and true. And with justice, he judges and makes war. This is saying now this isn't a Jesus that people are familiar with. They think of Jesus. They think of love everybody. And no, 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 no. It's writer is called faithful and true. And with justice, he judges and makes war. He makes war against what? He makes war against those who oppose him. Verse 12, his eyes were like fire, were like a fiery flame. You know, his eyes were burning like a flame and many crowns were on his head. He had a name written that no one knows except himself. The human language cannot produce a a name that adequately describes Jesus. So he has a name that no one knows except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. And his name is called the word of God. The armies that are in heaven or the armies that were in heaven followed him on white horses, white horses wearing pure white linen. Jesus has an army and they're riding white horses uh, and, 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 they're, um, and they're in pure white linen. Just the sight of that excites me. Then it says in verse 15, a sharp sword came from his mouth so that he might strike the nations with it. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will also trample uh, the wine. Uh, he will also trample the wine press of the fierce anger of God, the almighty. A sword came from his mouth so that he might strike the nations with it. What is this sword? It's his word of God. It's the word of God. It's his word. His word is his weapon. And it says that he will rule them with an iron rod. That word will not return void for what he says will come to pass because the word said the word created the heavens and the earth. The spoken word is what created the heavens and the earth. And the power of this word is mighty. And that is his weapon of choice. And that is what he's going to use. And then he says, uh, verse 16, and he uh, and and he has a name written on his robe and on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the beast and its armies defeated. It says in verse 17, um, then I saw the angel. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun and he called out in a loud voice, saying to all the birds flying overhead, come gather together for the great supper of the Lord. This is the day of reckoning. <laughs> this is the day. This is the great and fearful day of the Lord where the line is drawn. The sides are, you know, the sides are chosen. Good versus evil. It says uh, in verse 18, so that uh, you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of military commanders, the flesh of the mighty, the flesh of the horses and, and of their riders and the flesh of everyone, both free and slave, small and great. In other words, all these people, the whole a mass of people, all of these people that oppose God, you see, they're going to be defeated in the great awake, uh, great reckoning, I should say. It says in verse 19, then I saw the beast, the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and against his army. The lines are drawn, like I said, clearly good versus evil. 
This is the great battle. <laughs> wasn't World War I, wasn't World War II. This is the great battle where the sides are, are clearly chosen. And it says, but the beast was taken prisoner. In other words, his army was no match for Jesus and his army. And along with it, the false prophet who had performed the signs in his presence, he deceived those who accepted the mark of the beast and those who worshiped the image with these signs. Both of them were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword that came from the mouth of the rider of, of the horse. The rest were killed with the sword that came from the mouth, mouth of the rider on the horse. The rest were killed by Jesus. And all the birds ate their flesh. Jesus isn't playing games, man. He's not playing games. He makes his invitation. His invitation has extended through millennia. And, you know, he's made this consistent and constant invitation. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that I, Jesus, am Lord, the word says that you shall be saved, that you shall enter into eternal life. But if you don't, there are consequences to be paid. He's not playing games. He makes an invitation, and that invitation is sincere and it's serious. But the power of choice is in our hands. We get to decide. With that, we have concluded this episode of The Word Encounter. And tomorrow will be our final episode in the Bible. I'll do one more episode after that, just doing a New Testament summary and a conclusion of the Word Encounter series. But tomorrow will be our final episode in the Bible. Everybody take care, be blessed, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And in his grace and mercy, should he provide us with another day of life, we'll see you tomorrow in the next episode. Bye-bye.